Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody and welcome back to Sawbones, as if we've never left. My name is Justin Tyler McElroy. You completely. Hello and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I was trying to streamline for 2019. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, I forgot. This is a Sawbones. <laughs> my name is Justin McElroy, and, and I'm Sydney McElroy, and, and I apologize that my husband ruined our opening there we just, had you just ruined listen, we have this nice catchy little yeah. hello and welcome to sawbones we, we had a break for it. the holidays and we are ready to get but like we had a great christmas episode we had a great week off and we're ready to get back to doing what we have always done on sawbones which is bringing you the latest <laughs> instant pot recipes no, sort of what? our tips and tricks and hacks. No, you're you're confusing this with your other podcast about instant pot, instant pot uh, recipes. Okay, is that what's this called? Is Instapot? the show. This is the one where it's it's Instapot. Instapot. This okay. is the show where we talk about the island off the coast of Nova Scotia. Oh, I cannot island hear anything else. 1795. Daniel McGinnis and please two of his stop. Friends. Please stop. Curse of Oak Island. I cannot hear anything podcast. else about Oak Island. Do you want to do a again. Curse of Oak Island recap podcast with me, Sydney? It's only six seasons long. No, no, no. They don't find anything. Spoilers. They uh, don't find this anything. week they found a stone, and then okay. someone showed up with an uh, uh, astrology map that is going to break this thing. Okay. Moving, moving on. I will say we just got a little uh, update. Your dad, who is watching Charlie, just asked me if she can have ice cream. It is, it is eleven forty-seven a.m. Folks, folks, <laughs> folks. I said we're too close to lunch. Sydney, is that acceptable? That was the right. I that was the right she answer. Popsicle. She can have a popsicle. She's been sick. I've been sick. She can have a popsicle. That's why I sound like this. Okay. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, Justin, I wanted to talk about uh, something that is—it's an old thing that's still used today. I love those things. I love when we find these remedies or diagnoses. Remedies, medicine. This is the medicine one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, when you start talking about the ice cream thing, I thought, is this the one where we share funny parenting stories from our life? But no. That's our YouTube. That. Who that's you, our YouTube. Who do you do that's that our, with? That's our Who's YouTube series. Oh, okay. That's our YouTube series, Meet who? the McElroys, where we just have zany adventures. Have you all seen these? Do you have another wife that you do this with? Charlie watches these videos that's just families doing things. Okay. And Justin. it makes me feel like, do you like that family on YouTube better than ours because all they seem to do is like 
open huge toys and go to water parks. That's like all these families That's do. That's because they, they're making a bunch of money off of YouTube that videos. YouTube money, though. All right, I want to. I want to do our podcast. I'm I have sorry. a lot of stuff to get through, and we're going to run long. And you're going to be mad at me that we for, ran long. I haven't and... talked to you for two weeks <laughs> since we recorded the last episode of Sawbones. I'm really enjoying it. I want to talk about gripe water. Uh, I got a few. I got some right I don't now. Know, that get just just. Hey, what really grinds my gears? Yeah, just run through those in your $3 head. Three dollars for a bottle them. of Aquafina? Are you kidding don't, me? Don't say them out loud. So, uh, thank grind. you to Ann, Alicia, Michael, Amanda, and Vanessa for suggesting colic and gripe water and things around it. We're going to talk a little bit about colic. I've said before. I actually said this on our book tour that I and I had avoided doing a whole episode on colic because it's one of the darker things that we can talk about but we've talked about a lot of dark stuff on the show before so i just wanted to find a way so that it was not just non-stop sadness to for make the, 30 minutes make it fun the way no make not make it, it fun but like have m- more interesting and information than just like wow that was super depressing thanks great way to start the year sawbones we so, should maybe do like maybe kind of like a little bit of a a, a warning a content warning in, yeah, in yeah. That case. Like, I, I don't belabor the point, but certainly, I think you and me, especially, yeah, we, we like frequently. If if you find like infant death challenging, who doesn't? Well, <laughs> okay, I, but say, like, I don't. I don't know that that's specifically like specific. challenging. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna get into, and this is not gonna surprise you, colic has a lot to do with babies crying, and if we start getting into the history of stuff people have done to make babies stop crying you can follow that line of of logic if that's something you'd rather not hear the first half of the show i'm going to talk about some of the history of colic the second half we're just going to talk about gripe water though okay perfect i think that's that'll be easier if you're interested and a lot of people might be because gripe water is still sold in stores today justin do you know what colic is uh i mean okay you have told me in the past couple days so i'm going to pretend like you haven't Okay. And I'll tell you what I, I would have said um, is like they're crying a lot. That's true. That's I because mean, of gas. Okay, because of gas. And that, that is one of the, I think, misconceptions about colic is that when we use the word colic, we have any idea what we're really talking about. Like you that use as, me to illustrate misconceptions. I should be used to it at this point, but it is <laughs> just humiliating. That's the whole show. Here's what a lot of dunces think. No, it's not dunces. A lot of people, like a lot of, I mean, I would say physicians, uh, probably. Oh, crap. Here she goes, no, folks. I'm just saying. I, I think Go a hard. lot of people assume. Get them. When you say colic, first of all, the word colic is derived from like the same Greek root as colon. So it, it like it, you get it. Like it sounds like it's related to your stomach. Something's right. going on in the baby's stomach. And so the baby's crying a lot. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with colic because they maybe have experienced it as parents or caregivers or, you know, I don't know, they've just heard babies crying and you've heard about it on like media. You talk about colicky babies mm-hmm. and my baby has colic and nobody really knows what that means um, other than that the baby's crying a lot. And that that's really how we define it. It's just excessive crying. That's what when we use the word colic, we're not actually talking about anything to do with the GI tract or any other part of the body. It just means the baby's crying a lot. And it's important to remember when you start trying to define excessive crying, how much a baby is expected to cry. 
a lot? Yes. Babies can cry a lot, especially in the very early months and like the first three months of life. Oh, my God. A lot of crying could be completely normal for your baby. And that's really important to, to remember. There was a study that just tried to see like how much on average do babies cry and up to the age of six weeks, the average infant cries up to 133 minutes a day. Not necessarily consecutive, 133 minutes, of course. But that doesn't sound like a lot. But if I, I think other parents may be able to sympathize, if your baby is crying, even for two minutes, it feels like an eternity. Yeah. So imagine 60 of those back to back to back to back. To back. Yes. But Not we're talking back 133 back. minutes yeah, a day. Right. So, ugh. That's a lot for the yeah. average baby. The high end of normal crying is 250 minutes a day. That's like two Lord of the Rings. That's a lot of crying. And this can be, and I mean, this is normal crying. This is like your baby just might cry this much. And that doesn't mean anything's wrong or you're doing anything wrong. Just might be what the baby's going to do. The generally accepted definition of colic. When we say colic, you know, usually for like a disease, if we're talking about a disease process, I can tell you like, okay, what this is, is this cell is doing this or this message is getting misinterpreted this way or whatever, you know, I can, or this invader is coming to your body. I can tell you what it means. Colic, the definition is just based on how it, like how much a baby cries. If, if a baby is crying for more than three hours a day, more than three days a week in an infant under three months who is otherwise healthy, they have colic. That sounds to me like it may not be a thing then. Well, and there are other criteria that you can use. There's actually, there's one specifically for if you think it has a GI cause that you can use. Uh, so, I mean, part of the debate about colic is that we don't really know what it means. It's just a word we've used to describe babies who cry a lot. And there are, there are parents who will report that they have colicky babies. But if you actually, like they've done studies to see, like, do they actually meet this definition? And they don't. So even though, like the way we colloquially use the word colic and the way that you would define colic none of it is used it's the same it's worth noting also that we're not talking about we don't understand colic no it's it, that we like literally like it might not be a thing is like flexible enough to maybe not be very useful medically exactly it's too broad it's describing a lot of stuff that might actually be different things okay uh, it was the term colic is not at least in my med school curriculum was never taught like we don't learn colic as a medical entity. Um, I'd say the closest and I've seen this as like these two things can be used interchangeably is the period of purple crying. Yes. Yes. Which we I've, had to watch a DVD mm -hmm. about the period of purple crying uh, before we left the uh, NICU with Charlie. And it was very much just like, hey, listen. Babies cry, y'all. Babies yeah. cry, and we don't know why. And the purple is like an acronym for something. Like it, it's like please, un purple. I don't know. But the the point is that exactly like you're saying, babies in the beginning will cry a lot, and it's ex it's incredibly distressing. I can't right. underline that enough. And that so I don't want when I say colic isn't a thing i am in no way suggesting that babies don't cry or it's not that bad or you should get over it or that parents shouldn't be distressed by it oh my goodness i've been there but we probably shouldn't just label every baby who cries a lot colic and move on with our lives because what it's led to as we're going to get into is some really unhelpful solutions for this entity known as colic um 
the perception of the crying is is probably the more dangerous part of colic in all honesty what it's is the perception of the crying how stressful it is to parents and to caregivers okay. and what what behaviors that can lead to um there have been a lot of studies that have shown that you know we there are there are a lot of caregivers who are driven to dangerous and abusive behaviors because of how overwhelming the crying can be it's hard y'all it's it's like my i mean as a parent you don't really understand this like it's weird if you hear a baby cry and it's like and i think this is more common before you have kids it's like oh it's annoying like it, it we're biologically i think like wired to like really real like it, trust me however bothered you are by it the parent is like 20 times bothered by it it's yeah. really hard to like shut especially if you ever like done any sort of cried out or ferberized or whatever mm. you know um it is it, it is extremely it, tough yeah hear, hearing I, I would say your own child cries especially it, it's it's horrible because you want to do something you want to make it stop you want your your baby to be okay you want to fix whatever if there is a problem that you can fix you want to fix it and it's a really horrible feeling yeah i would urge i've i've always tried to be this way but as a parent i think i'm even more so if you hear a baby crying on an airplane or in a restaurant or somewhere like please don't don't act annoyed don't be irritated You're trust sorry. me the parent and the baby are having a rougher time than you are in that moment have some sympathy I like, be kind if I you hear, were a baby too once if i hear a stranger with a crying baby something i'll do that parents really seem to appreciate is i'll go over there and i'll say like i hear your baby's crying do you want me to take them for a while <laughs> and just kind of walk around with them and and care for them I would not do that. As my own. I would never do the that. Parents really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I would say they wouldn't. They seem to, I would say they they seem they to appreciate it. Um, and they and, always call police officers to tell them how helpful I've been, and maybe give me some sort of medal. <laughs> I don't know. When we when we get into the the reasons for crying or for colic and and what might be causing it, there are a lot of different theories, and you can see where some of these things would play in. Like some of the thought is that in some cases colic might be a behavioral thing. Maybe it just has something to do with like. Uh, parental stress or psychosocial factors like how much support somebody has if you have other people helping you take care of a baby the crying probably isn't going to affect you quite as much in terms of you know right. how stressful you find it whereas if you are the sole caregiver 24 7 it's it might wear on you a little more especially if your baby is on the higher end of the normal crying so all of this can play into it um They've tried to look for like biological causes. Does it have something to do with serotonin production? Does it is it some sort of early form of migraine that yeah. we're not recognizing? Huh. Uh, they've tried to link it to like environmental factors like tobacco exposure or smoking. None of this has really proven a hundred percent. Like, well, we found some correlation here and there, but we can't prove causation. A lot of people do believe it's GI related, like you said, Justin. A lot of people think it's gas or just an upset tummy in some way um there's a lot of theories as to what exactly could be the cause is it lactose is it milk protein is it something to do with how you're feeding the baby like bottle versus breast versus burping versus positioning mm -hmm. what is it is it something to do with gut bacteria nobody really knows if any of this is the case probably there are some babies with upset tummies and then there are some babies who are just crying a lot and then you know that's it. There, there are probably a lot of different reasons. Yeah, but it's probably just, I don't know, babies cry. Uh, the problem is really old, as you can imagine. Babies mm -hmm. have been crying since there have been babies, and it's very distressful. 
uh, which is why the word dates back to ancient Greece. Um, there weren't really attempts to diagnose the problem for a long time. It was just like, let's soothe the baby. And one of the earliest uh, choices for soothing a baby was opium. Nice. So as we look through history, a lot of the treatments, quote unquote, for colic were really just ways to make your baby go to sleep so that they would stop crying. Whether or not whether or not you knew that's what you were doing. I'm not I'm not accusing everyone of intentionally doing this. I'm saying it would soothe the baby because it made them sleepy. Okay. And so it relieved the colic is was the perception. So like in the Middle Ages, parents and wet nurses might put opium on their nipples in order to soothe the baby. I might just been for the wet nurses though. Like to put opium on their nipples? Chill out a little bit. Relax. Well, a lot of them were considered like mother's helpers. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got a little bit on my finger. Oh, I got half a bottle on my hand. Oh, gosh, I got to drink it all up. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe mama needs a nap. Addiction to some of these substances, as we'll talk about, was actually a problem for adults, too. Well, might, because, makes like my soothing thing, syrups and makes things. Makes my thing less funny. Thank you, Sid. <laughs> uh, Pliny had lots of ideas. Of course. Of course. Pliny the Elder advised, other than opium... Uh, cumin and parsnips and almonds and honey and salt and then there's this whole paragraph about all the different ways roasted wait, for lark who? wait hold on stop cumin and almonds and honey for who <laughs> well babies with for the colic. baby or the parents babies hey plenty although plenty believed colic could persist into adulthood so he believed that there were things that i believe so yeah so there were so some of these he might have advised for adults but c- because he thought there were things like, that were colic that were in adults he specifically yeah. mentioned that that isn't it interesting that some things go away as kids, but other things persist, like colic. I I I know I have access to a lot more mm-hmm. medical information than Pliny did at his Pliny did at his time, but I do have to believe that even he wouldn't have been like, uh, kids crying hot. Maybe a handful of nuts. Enjoy these mixed nuts, Enjoy child. These nuts, baby with no teeth. Yeah. Uh, he had lots of um ways that colic could be cured by roasted lark. Uh, he said, you know, you can just eat it, you can burn it to ashes, feathers and all, and then pound it down and then take it in spoonfuls of water. Um, some say that you should just take the heart of the bird and attach it to your thigh (laughs) (laughs) or just swallow the whole heart fresh and warm. Uh, (laughs) now child, are you appeased? Child, are you appeased? You're crying. Stop. You've watched your mother Eat a lark's heart fresh. I'll eat a fresh lark heart to stop you from crying. He spoke of two brothers. Uh, One was cured of colic by eating a lark and wearing its heart in a golden bracelet. Uh, The other performed a sacrifice in a chapel built of raw bricks in in a furnace. And then um, with the with the same lark, well, different lark. I mean, I'm assuming a different lark. And that that cured it. and in general, something roasted lark related, he thought was a good idea. I like uh, Sydenham in the 1700s. He had maybe my favorite colic cure. Just hold a live puppy on your tummy. Oh, okay. Yeah, second. I would be careful if it's a baby. Yeah, don't. Like, don't the, smush the baby with a puppy. The baby Make sure the puppy, puppy is smaller than the baby. But I thought that was a lovely that's sure. better because throughout the years, the stuff people tried were really things that would just calm a baby down um, because that was perceived as fixing the colic, but it was really probably just putting them to sleep. So like alcohol, Valium, phenobarbital. Um, there were medicines that were specifically aimed at the stomach that came along later. Things like dicyclamine and donatol and scopolamine. All of these things 
probably at the end of the day, maybe some of them were helping some stomach issues, whatever. At the end of the day, they were probably all just putting babies to sleep. But the thing that has persisted is gripe water. What's that? I'm going to tell you what gripe water is. But first, let's go to the billing department. Classic. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Now, Sydney, what is gripe water? Because I legitimately have absolutely no clue. Okay, so... When we when we get into the history of colic, like I said, a lot of people wanted to blame it on some sort of stomach thing that was going on with your baby that your baby couldn't communicate to you. So we need something that will fix the stomach thing. Gripe water 
is really aimed at that. If you believe colic has something to do with tummy troubles, gripe water would be in your mind a solution for it. It's probably named for an old term for gastroenteritis or like, you know, you have some diarrhea. The gripe, is that what they call it? The watery gripes. Oh God, no. <laughs> so so it the name oh. gripe water specifically would indicate that it would be used for How something can it be? tummy related. It dates back to William Woodward, who was a doctor practicing in London in the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, and this I mean, like, this was a very normally educated doctor for the time he had the appropriate education and he was apprenticed under a pharmacist he was very well respected um he came up with a lot of different kind of cures treatments whatever you want to patent medicine type things um and specifically in the 1840s malaria was a big problem in london uh and specifically a lot of people were looking for something to treat uh Babies, infants who were diagnosed with what was sometimes called malaria, but what was also commonly called fen fever, fen fever, F-E-N fever. And when you kind of look at this period of history, it's important to remember that like a lot of things were just named for stuff that was nearby. So like fen fever was probably malaria. Okay. But then sometimes you might have been applying the term fen fever to a baby who had a fever for a totally unrelated reason. You know what it's I mean? Just like what people called it. But there were fens nearby. Do you know what a fen is? No. A fen is a low marshy area of land. Okay, then. I had to read about fens. There used to be a lot, I guess, in the vicinity of London, but a lot of them have been drained for agricultural purposes. And mosquitoes. Yes, because these were great breeding grounds for mosquitoes. So it made sense that as we began to understand that mosquitoes carried malaria, that people were blaming this fever on the fen sure. where the mosquitoes were, sure. so, you know, they, I mean, it was all connected, but it is worth noting that it like, I love this. If you look back through history, there is a fever for like every geographical like formation for every time of day. There is, there are, Fen fevers, of course, plain fevers, jungle fevers, mountain fevers, night fevers, day fevers, dinner fevers, supper fevers, sea fever, land fever, river fever. None of this really means anything other than this happens to be nearby and I have a fever. Yeah. That is the only thing they have in common. So fen fever was probably more than just malaria, but mainly malaria. Okay. I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I didn't know about fens. I didn't know about any of this. So what's grape water? Okay. <laughs> well, you had to know this to know why gripe water became a thing. Okay. So everybody was trying to, to treat fen fever in the 1840s in London. And some people were using quinine, which was good. That was actually probably helping it, since it was malaria. But there was a group of doctors who came up with this other treatment that they thought was very helpful. And it involved dill oil and alcohol and probably had some other stuff in it. But they started That's using what the label that. said. <laughs> they started using that to treat fen fever. And William Woodward got wind of it and decided, like, well, I'm I'm gonna make something similar to that because what he heard was that, well, it was definitely very soothing to the babies that they were giving it to for this fen fever malaria thing. And he thought, you know what? This has wider applications. I think this could be used for more than just this fever. I think this could be used for anything that upsets your baby. 
um, especially anything tummy related. So he started uh, coming up with his own formulation of it. And in 1876, he registered gripe water as a trademark. So it was based on these docs out of Nottingham who came up with this dill oil alcohol combination. He made his own that contained alcohol, sucrose, dill seed oil, and uh, bicarbonate. And this this was the first thing called gripe water. Okay. And like I said, he named it that probably because he was aiming it more at just like, if your baby's tummy is messed up for any reason, take this. Okay. Uh, the original packaging has the infant Hercules on it, which is uh, painted by Sir Joshua Reynolds. Sounds good. And it, it is still used, I think, on like Woodward's gripe water, like the original Woodward's gripe water. It's a picture of infant hercules strangling two snakes in his cradle <laughs> wow because juno sent them to destroy him that's and some, that's he some, strangled them in his it's 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 an radical a, water it's kind of an adorable well i don't know adorable is the right word it's a it's a great pic picture i would look it up the infant hercules it's very good this baby that's just strangling these snakes anyway it did well initially with him selling it both to consumers hey does your baby cry try this as well as in bulk to doctors and hospitals. So this was being used as a, like a, you'd go to the hospital and your baby was crying and they'd give you gripe water. Like this was not just being used at home like a folk remedy. Doctors mm. were prescribing gripe water. Uh, it did well. And then his son took over the business after he died and it did even better at that point. Um, his son was not in the medical world, uh, but he turned out to be pretty good at marketing and, and sales because he began uh, kind of calling on this like patriotic use of gripe water. Okay. Like we are, we are, the British empire is growing and it's claiming the world. And as we go and we, we spread across the globe, our babies are going to get sick. And as we're protecting the people of the globe, gripe water will protect the babies all over the world. And so, like, they had all these very patriotic ads with, like, battleships and cavalry carrying, I don't know, gripe water <laughs> to infants all over the British Empire. And the tag was Granny Told Mother and Mother Told Me. So it was like this, like, it's right. been passed Pass down, down for America's apple pie. Well, no. Because it's British. Okay, you know, but, you know. <laughs> British is British tea. Like, like, whatever British people like, scones? Tea, I think, is the thing most people would say, scones, right? Scones, you're right. Okay. Either way, it was carried all over the world. It was ex it was very popular in China, and it wasn't marketed in China. So a lot of this was probably just by word of mouth, like wives of British diplomats going places and being like, you know, what works for my kid? Here, let me show you this gripe water. So it was taken all over, and it was it was very popular. In 1926, it was taken over by Sinitas Trust Limited, and eventually this other company, Seton Shoal London International. And it was marketed and doctors prescribed it. And it was this huge medicine. If you look at its indications, they never put colic on it, which mm. is really strange because that was the number one thing that people were using it for. It was marketed for flatulence, minor tummy upset and teething. Which some colic probably is. Yeah. Well, no, because it's under three months, but yeah, so that'd be unusual. But anyway. In 1992, the alcohol was taken out of the formula. That's Ooh. 1992. That's not that long no, ago. That's that's wicked. I yeah, that's wicked. Recent. Yeah. So in 92, everybody was like, you know what? We probably shouldn't give alcohol to babies. That right. seems bad. Let's take the alcohol out of the out of the gripe water. 
Uh, and they also switched out the sucrose that was in it for something called lycosin that wouldn't cause cavities. Right. Uh, just, uh, like a, a different sweetener. Um, and, and that was good considering the alcohol part of it. So a dose of gripe water, the initial formulation that was used up till 1992 in a four kilogram baby. Mm-hmm. That's like, like nine pounds. Something like that. No, eight pounds. Whatever. It's 2.2, right? Yes. Nine pounds. Anyway. Uh, would have the relative amount of alcohol as I, I looked this up. It said five tots of whiskey in an in an adult. So then I had to look at what a tot was. So a tot is a small amount of whiskey, usually like fifteen to twenty mLs. Yeah. So if I had a couple of shots of whiskey, this would be the same as the amount of alcohol this baby was getting, like a, the equivalent mess. of me doing a couple shots. It just gets your baby loose, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh. So they took the alcohol out. It still had the sweetener in it. It still had the dill oil. Still had the sodium bicarbonate. Does it work? Uh, I mean, they stopped crying, I guess. It doesn't work. Ah, oh, crumbs. <laughs> Anecdotally, people will tell you that it works. But studies have never shown that babies treated with gripe water are less colicky than babies who aren't. Uh, in fact, there was one that showed there were more episodes of vomiting with gripe water. But it, didn't, it also didn't take into account, like, if you're giving your baby gripe water maybe they're already having vomiting maybe they're spitting up more already you know it didn't Mm -hmm. like take it didn't control for that so i'm not going to say it makes things worse but i'm i don't have any evidence that it makes anything better Mm -hmm. uh if you break down the ingredients the bicarbonate would help if acid were the problem you know like if you had excessive acid production but nobody's suggesting that for colic nobody thinks that babies have very acidic stomachs and so they need something to calm the acid down in their stomach like we would take a Pepsi or something. Nobody's right. suggesting that. So that doesn't make sense. The alcohol isn't in there anymore, but they even did a study to see, does alcohol calm uh, GI discomfort? Not crying, but GI discomfort. Right. And it doesn't. Man, it's so, like this stuff isn't even good. So the alcohol may have made baby sleepy, but it certainly didn't calm their stomachs down. The dill has been used for gas for some time. That's an old treatment for like, if you're gassy, have some dill, have some dill oil. But there's, I mean... Again, I'm talking more like anecdotal. I'm not proof that doesn't prove anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sweet part is probably the only thing that has an actual effect. And this is interesting. Sweet stuff has been used as like a mild pain reliever for centuries. Yeah, like, um, do you mean like how the, what is it, pectin and like uh, Luden's cough drops and stuff like that? The sugar from those are like rock candy. Use the sore, soothe the sore throat kind of thing? Kind of th- kind of like that. Yeah, that. And a, a really good example is um, prior That's to... probably more physical than chemical, right? Yeah, like, yeah. But, but, but it is a taste thing. It's a taste-meaning thing. Because prior to circumcisions for centuries, babies have been given like some sort of sweet thing, like either crushed dates or like a sweet, sweet red wine, like, mm-hmm. apply, like on your finger, like let the baby suck on it to soothe them before like a circumcision. I saw this done... When I saw circumcisions performed as a med student. Mm, wow, really? Yes. Not, it wasn't crushed dates or red wine. It was like, uh, hun- uh, not, it wasn't honey. It was like grape jelly that they had like in packets in the hospital. I saw them dipping pacifiers in it and putting it in the baby's mouth before their circumcision. I've yes. never heard that before. I, well, I, I thought that, what is that? Just to give the baby a treat before they do, why would they do that? And this is an ancient thing. Um, but the idea is that it has some sort of mild analgesic effect that is taste mediated. So That's wild. when they've done studies with just like a sugar solution, 
it calms babies down. Hmm. So if anything in the gripe water actually makes your kids stop crying, it probably is just that it tastes sweet. Huh. Go figure. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's working. It just means, it means that's that... probably the, if you see an effect, that's probably why you're seeing an effect. Um, the bigger problem today is that one, there are a ton of different formulations other than Woodward's gripe water. Uh, they all contain different things. Some have fennel, some have ginger, some have chamomile, some have lemon balm. There are some that have charcoal. They, some still do have sugar. Most don't have alcohol anymore. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, the FDA said in 1993 that it's not a medicine. So it's only sold in the U.S. as like a supplement. Okay. So you'll find it like over the counter and like the, uh, it, it's usually with like the homeopathic stuff for babies. Like you'll find it in the homeopathic area. Mm. Um, it, it probably is one of the less harmful cure-alls, but it is not doing anything. I mean, there is no study that shows that it does anything. Right in the trash, folks. At all. The real harm is the misunderstanding of colic. If your baby is crying and you can't console them and you think and they seem to be in pain or something seems off, anything is off, please take them to a doctor, get them checked out, make sure they're okay. Never assume that it's nothing. Always check, get them checked out. But the answer might be sometimes that your baby's just going to cry and do your best to soothe them, comfort them, get help, get support, take breaks, lay your baby down sometimes. Sometimes you just need to like put your baby in a safe place and sit down on the floor for a second and gather yourself. But the important thing is that it will go away. After three months, it usually subsides. It very rarely, it's usually shorter than that, but the long end is three months. And, and the important thing is that you're taking care of yourself and your baby to get you through that difficult period of time. And don't rely on things like gripe water, which you're just really wasting your money on. It's one of the simultaneously most liberating things as a parent and, and most frustrating things as a parent. Uh, And I would not, there are very few areas in which I would, uh, you know, feel confident enough to give people advice. But in this one thing, uh, it's shocking how many things this solution to is like, I don't know, babies hang in there. You know, it, it yeah. will, it will, it will get better over time. It just is what it is. Like, I think we are hardwired, especially these days, to look for a solution for every single thing. I think that a lot of times babies are just like this exercise in, acceptance of just like this is this is in fact the way it is there is nothing you need to or can do about it it just is Mm -hmm. just do do your best to get up get of course always get things checked out i never want to say like i ignore it it's nothing no right of course you're worried take your take your baby to the doctor make sure they're okay but sometimes the answer is just it'll get easier it'll get easier i promise get the help get the support you need get the help and support your baby needs and don't waste your money on dill, sugar, water. Sound good. So maybe on chips. Uh, <laughs> folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to our program. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, we uh, 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 really appreciate you hanging in there with us all year, and, and we hope to have a great 2019 uh, with you. Um, we got a book out. It's called The Sawbones Book. It's kind of like this show, except it's a book. Uh, and you can find it at uh, a lot of fine bookstores all over. Uh, it is now widely available, and there is an audiobook uh, version of it that you can get through Audible. 
that um, we did. That we did, that we recorded, and it is boring to do that, I would say. It's, but the book is not boring. The book's good. It's boring no. to read your own book into a microphone for many hours. So I hope you like it because it was boring to do. If you, you know, the problem is it would be fun to do the audiobook of somebody else's book because I haven't read that book. If, I didn't even write it. <laughs> I just read their book. I liked reading your parts out loud, but then my parts, it was boring to read out loud. And I wanted to change some of the jokes, but they don't let you. <laughs> I'd say that was the hardest part is that if you're hypercritical, that's, yeah. that's hard. Why did I write that? Why did I write that? I could have written that better. Anyway, it's a good, it, it, if you go to bit.ly forward slash the Sawbones book, um, then you can uh, pick that book up and we would really appreciate you doing that. And um, the, thanks to the taxpayers for the use of song medicines is the intro and outro of our program. Um, our whole family has a new website, by the way. It's called McElroy, uh, the McElroy Family. If you go to McElroy.family, you can find it. Um, there's lots of information about tours. Uh, we're doing a show at Sketchfest in like two weeks, less than two weeks. Uh, and if you click through, uh, if you go over to McElroy.family, you look at tours, you can find a link to uh, get tickets for that and remote tickets for PodCon that we're going to be at and so much more. So uh, that's going to do it for us, folks. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. If you're looking for a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network? It won Best Comedy at the British Podcast Awards in 2017 and 2018. Also, I there were no horses in this country until the, the mid to late 60s. Specialist bovine arse vet. Both of his eyes are squid's eyes. Yogurt buffet. She was married to a bacon farmer who saved her life. Farm-raised snow leopard. Download it today. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast from MaximumFun.org. Also, maybe start at episode one, or weirdly, episode 36, which for some reason requires no knowledge of the rest of the show.